<laughs> you weren't even recording? It's recording now. You're good. Beautiful. This is the Following Faith Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Jacobson, joined in studio by Daniel Asher. Hey, hey. And Scott Irwin. Guys, I'm back. We have um, lost one of our crew members, wow. the lovely Kristen Jacobson. Moment of silence. I heard taps. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she, she is out for it with us today, um, taking care of some business in the Jacobson family. Um, but guys, welcome back. Scott, especially to you, man. It's been, uh, it's been like a week since you were, you <laughs> One were day here. One day since you looked at me. Doom, doom. Uh, you were gone, man, and uh, taking a vacation of a lifetime. It was fantastic. Next week, Daniel will be taking a vacation of a lifetime. Yes, sir. And uh, we, uh, we, both Daniel and I were stunned today to discover something special about you. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's ready to ride. He's ready <laughs> to roll, bro. You, you ride a motorcycle. I do. What? I do. What in I, the world? I try to ride a motorcycle, probably. I was, uh, I was stunned, but at the same time, um, I feel like you're the one person that I know that ought to ride a motorcycle <laughs> because you're calculated because you're not you're not foolish you're not like i would not be trusted on a motorcycle so i never had one um but i'm like you know what i think scott it's a perfect fit there's so there's so much that daniel just said there that i would love to just think about but i would love <laughs> to see daniel on a motorcycle in the middle of a northwest indiana winter oh because yeah, if you know good. daniel he's he runs through cars like uh like people run through ziploc bags um <laughs> but but i reuse my ziploc bags so. some people do man it's a thing they wash them in the dishwasher but but on a snowy day you know nobody rides a bike anyway but daniel I just had that image in my mind of you trying to get on the highway but dude scott how long have you ridden a motorcycle it's very impressive so i my motorcycles come in waves like, okay. of like five years like oh. five years ago, I had a motorcycle and probably like five years before that. My family is a part of Beanie Honda and Valpo. Right. So they're like a motorcycle. It's in your so blood. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But part uh, Beanie Honda. What is Beanie? Yeah. Over off a plug. Give him a little ding off of Route 30 in Valpo. Yeah. You know the phrase though? Like you just hop back on it like a bike. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. No, I was... Oh really? Relearn how I was kind of expecting motorcycle. you to say like, "Yeah, it was just second nature again." Oh no, not at all, not at all. I mean, like you could do it, but I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I had a Trail Seventy, a Honda Trail Seventy, when I was like ten years old. Yeah. Do you think that I could hop on your bike and ride it? Oh, absolutely. It's a piece of cake, right? Absolutely. It's the same mechanics. I had a little Rebel, like a little yeah, like yeah, five yeah, years yeah. ago, and it was I was the biggest dude on the smallest bike. <laughs> I looked like a goon, but this one is way heavier. And uh, yeah, but it's totally rideable. It's fun. It's been really fun. I would be I would be the smallest guy on the biggest bike. Smallest guy. Smallest guy on the biggest bike. That's my motto. Have the biggest bike. Well, how many one percenter tattoos do you have? uh, I have. uh, (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) I knew a guy. I knew a guy that uh, did not ride motorcycles, but just loved the tattoo. Oh yeah. And he came in with this fresh one percenter tattoo. We're like, dude. You better look over your shoulder because that is not smart. <laughs> One of the new guys to our campus, uh, I talked to him on Sunday after outdoor service, which, by the way, Scott, I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts, seeing as this was the first time that you <laughs> ooh, actually ooh, took yeah. it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You weren't on vacation on a Sunday, uh, which is not a dig. That's a totally great thing that you do that. But we, we uh, were talking to a guy on the, on the, um, on the lawn after the su- service on Sunday, and he made a point to make sure to tell me that he's um, – He's a, a, a volunteer in a Christian ministry, and they're all bikers. Huh. But he had um, the, the groups tattooed on his arm. Oh, and cool. I'm curious if you belong to any such organizations, <laughs> and will, you, clubs. will yeah. you be getting any tattoos? I mean, I guess if they reach out. I, I've never gotten a tattoo before. I've heard. But you're open. I, yeah, hey. On the mark. <laughs> I guess. How does Bethany feel I'd have to talk to Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel, uh, this is my, my honest question, and, and I've, uh, I'm not against motorcycles. I would love to have a motorcycle. I just have one person in my life telling me that I'm too important for them <laughs> for me to have a motorcycle. Um, do you feel safe around here driving? Like, are people okay with motorcycles? I try. This is honest to honest talk. I, I really try to look for motorcycles yeah. around here. And loud pipes save lives. That's like the phrase, right? So so be as loud as you can. Yeah. People see you coming. But do you, riding around here, do you think like we're, we're doing okay or we got some, um, like I if you could give a PSA, what would you say? I don't know. There, there are a lot of bikers around here, I think. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. seems like there's a lot of bikers around here. There's people do ton. pretty well. That yeah. was the first thing I ever realized. Like, yeah. ever, like one of the first things other than the brutal cold <laughs> that I noticed when I moved up here was I was like, 
everybody rides a motorcycle. You notice I've the negative never, 30. I've never seen that in my life. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah. No, I think they do pretty well. It's But it is scary. Uh, people just don't don't see you. But yeah. I will probably... So Bethany told me to get the bike, which was super cool. Which Thanks, is an awesome wife move. Yeah, there right, you right. go. And, Way to uh, go, Bethany. It'll probably get sold you know in the next <laughs> few yeah. years at least so. you wear a helmet though that's you Absolutely. know you're in like the top five percent of this yeah. county that actually wears a helmet yeah that's what's scary to me is i pass by people all the time oh, man and yeah. was, i'm like oh my. no thank you we are just so. setting ourselves up for the inbox full of emails from <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys right. who bikes you're right like, you're it's, right it's like the mask argument like helmets don't save lives <laughs> masks don't do nothing and so um well scott we're uh glad that you bring some cool factor to our staff oh man. thanks just trying to you know put my rep on the team here <laughs> Hey, uh, seriously though, we had a great Sunday, uh, albeit a touch hot, uh, but we had a cookout at HP on Sunday and um, saw a guy get baptized, which was an amazing thing uh, for us. Scott, uh, this is your first moment to really yeah. take in the congregation um, and it was it was awesome. Any thoughts? It was awesome. First thoughts, we had a ton of people that helped set mm-hmm. up and tear down who were just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I, th- I love this service. I love this service. A ton of people here. Yeah. Felt good. Felt like church again. You know, you could like yeah. see people yeah. and worship was great. Um, the baptism was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a little hot, but everybody's bringing their pop-up tents. Now I lo- love looking out and seeing it's just like so 20 great. pop-up tents. It's I awesome. love looking from week to week, like those who come, uh, if it's like their first outdoor service and then like their second and thirds, just the difference in their yes. preparation yes. is priceless. <laughs> We we probably should offer links to like REI yeah. or uh, like uh, Dick Sporting Goods to help people understand like which pop up tents are better for worship yes. than others. Yes. Um, some are some are good pop up tent, tents for the beach, but you know, for a church service, you want the one that's like super stable, not yeah. rocking in the wind. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting <laughs> uh, foray into a market I didn't think we needed. Yeah, who would have uh, thought pop up tents help people <laughs> with? No, but it's super cool. I um. I think there's a lot of uh, potential for these services. We met a ton of people, so we're so grateful. Yeah. Uh, if you're someone who came to one of the services and you feel like you don't have a place to fit into our church, we hope that you truly can fit into the community that we're building here. Um, one of the things I love is, you know, we we walked into COVID and we thought, okay, Jesus promised to build his church. That's a guarantee. The mm-hmm. gates of hell themselves cannot withstand the onslaught of the church. And yet there have been like some pretty big obstacles for us to overcome, to be able to even just have services, you know, and um, you got some churches uh, coming out of California who are like sticking it to the man. And you got other churches uh, thinking about one in particular in Georgia. That's like, yeah, we're just not going to meet until 2021. And people on all the sides of this. And for us just to say, Hey, who cares? Let's get together outside then and work with what we got. I, uh, I'm just grateful for for what we're seeing. And then to know that people are coming and engaging in mm-hmm. worship. Um, I got a, a sweet email this week from a brand new guy who just loved the music. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, sometimes you go to churches, you can't you can't sing. Yeah. And being outside and having that band, it was just, I could sing with them. Yeah. And so it was a really, a really special thing. And I think for a worship, from a worship standpoint, um, the, the, the shutdown honestly came at a really cool time because i think just globally as a church we were so programmatic Mm. and so just obsessed with precision worship Mm. and things flowing just seamlessly just perfect from one section to the other section um and the environment that i've been around when i was in college was very much um close to performance based and it's been really refreshing seeing the church be the church and be like i mean we yeah we still do online streams but the amount of churches that are going back to grassroots worship and what really matters and having a, a true biblical understanding of what worship is and why we worship has been it really fundamentally uh, just shook me from the mm. from the core, um, which has been it's been awesome to see. It's been awesome to see. You, that, you bring up an interesting topic, Daniel, because I think the last and Dan, you might be able to speak in this last ten years. There has been a push from a lot of these churches um, into excellence in everything, yeah. which I don't think is wrong. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to do something excellently. But I think what we're getting into now is like excellence within your context. Right. And there is uh, maybe a point where you can be too programmatic Mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning inside. Um, Things 
maybe are too polished. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I got more time or more <laughs> thoughts than time allows on that. My, you got 40 my big words. Thought, yeah, my big thought <laughs> is that excellence came out of the 80s. Yeah, and if you look at corporate structure and what happened mm. in the in the big culture in America, excellence was a CEO buzzword that found its way into a church, mm. and the Bible commands us to do things well, and and uh, and so we we adopted such of a, a practice because God deserves the best. That's mm. a biblical principle, but we adopted it in such a way where it was excellence through industry. Mm. And so if you think about things, you get worship industry, you get yeah. uh, preaching industry, you get online church industry, and I think our culture just shifted so slowly into that that nobody realized that it was actually happening except for the people who were like this is you're talking weird. church culture church like culture, yep. culture yeah it just yes. became a part of this thing that, that nobody actually took the time to call it out and say is this the point or are we mm. slowly replacing the point yeah. mm. and what you just said daniel i think is really astute covid has made us evaluate what truly matters in the church and just like it's making a lot of people guess or, or or think deeply about how do I use my spiritual gifts in the midst of yeah. a pandemic? Like that's a question nobody ever thought to ask. Like how do I use my gifts not at church, not in mm. a program? And that's a beautiful question. That's a New Testament yeah. question. And so I think you're right. It came at a beautiful moment in in um, the course of modern history for us to yeah. reevaluate and to take stock. No, I went back and um. Uh, study through Bob Coughlin's Worship Matters book again. Excellent. Which is a it's an incredible Bing. read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will drop that in the show notes for you guys. Um and man, just uh just what worship looks like when it's all stripped away um is is incredible. And uh, I think this has been one of the coolest things is seeing new people come to our church without all of the uh, yeah. the bells and whistles. Yeah. And having an opportunity to um to present what what we believe biblical uh biblically sound theological worship Hmm. Um, uh, looks like and sounds like has been has been incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sort of to that point, we've got a question before us today out of our catechism. And again, we're, we've been going through the past couple of weeks, the New City Catechism, and asking questions to help us grow in our faith. Scott, you're back, and uh, we've done the last two without you. It's been a little rough. Uh, but but you're here again. So, man, would you want to lead us through this part? Are you saying that I'm going to make it smoother? I, I hope know. so. It <laughs> needs to be a little bit more excellent. Oh, yikes, yikes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're on uh, we're on question four. So last week, maybe just a quick recap from last week. We talked about how many persons are there in God, or you guys talked about it, we right? Did. And we arrived at three. Oh, three. it's good. It's good. Three is what we suggested. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're working through the nature of God, and this question. I don't know. We could talk about the logical flow of the questions, but um, this week, how and why did God create us? Let's go to the how. Let's start with how. Oh. How did God create us? So here, this is a this is a conversation that I think I've I've heard Christians dig in so deeply mm-hmm. in their own practical method, and some people really want to focus in on leveraging science, and they want to come a, come across with some sort mm-hmm. of theistic evolution because they want to harmonize their faith with evidence. Um, some people want to just be people who live on the on the scriptural teachings and so they say without um without question god in how he created us uh, out of nothing hmm. in literally seven 24 hour mm-hmm. day periods technically six because he rested on the seventh um and some people uh try and find space to reason with their own their own mind but i i think we're all of the, that's all kind of like in my mind a distraction yeah um, historically, the church has been a seven-day creation mm-hmm. type of approach, um, and I'm fine with that. The reason I call it a distraction is because I think one of the things, and this is where the catechism will push us and why it's helpful for us, how did God do it? Well, you look at the, at the scripture, and, mm-hmm. and the words God spoke mm-hmm. are repeated. I think it's like 24 times right. in Genesis chapter 1. Yeah. Eight of them are, um, are creative acts. Um, because some of them are evaluations. God, God declares something good. And so he spoke. So, so one of the things we have to realize is that God creates by his word. Hmm. How? It's by his very word. And, and that's really, you know, this is, I think, out of the catechism, but that's really encouraging for me because that's, that's the role of a king. Mm-hmm. A king is someone who speaks out his command and then 
expected to happen. Mm -hmm. And God, in some sense, is representative of all kingships or all kingdoms because he speaks and the very world is created. Yes. And it's almost this, this putting everything under subjection to himself. We know that that's been given to Christ, Matthew 28. But from day one, God has been the king over all things because he spoke and by his decree, things happened. Um, and so I, I would just push us to say, no matter what you think about it, you have to incorporate the fact that God spoke he, yeah. by his word. He has created things. Isn't that, um, isn't that for uh, Colossians 1? Yeah. Um, where where uh, the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ, 1, 15 through 18, kind of yeah. gets at that idea of like Christ uh, created all things. The word, John chapter 1, the mm -hmm. word became flesh. Like by him, all things were made. Um, and so I think that idea of the word uh, is really important. To so this you're saying in this question of how God created us, that you can still have these questions of the fine details. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as you understand the that God spoke and that that's what that's what trumps everything else, and that's a proper understanding. I think uh, you, you no, I think it's a starting point. Starting point. Yeah, because I think you can debate the details and the particulars at some point. I think different theories break down at different stages, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm, I love about these questions too, because they, yeah. you can either have like very elementary answers, yeah, or yeah. really, really go into right. So, dive. so maybe let me take my my observation and get a little sharper. Yeah. Um. So God spoke by His Word, and then I think what um you know how and why did God create? us. Mm -hmm. The us, I think, is the important part of this question. So yeah. so how did he create humans? Um, he, he created us, uh, uh, male and female. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the biblical yeah. approach. To, right out of Genesis 1. Right out of Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, and so I think we have to recognize at some point that this world, God's good order, is in some sense engendered Mm -hmm. in how he created us. That's not very easy to say these days, is it? Right. No, and I you know I already mentioned this. We're uh going through this with our verge students, the high schoolers through this catechism, and we did this question a couple of weeks ago and they um stuck to this point of the answer. Genesis 1:27, God created male and female. And the high schoolers, you know, they are agreeing with that, but this was the part of the answer that they latched onto because mm -hmm. It is so forward in their in their thinking and, yeah. and what they're dealing with, male and female, and it is divisive. It's it's kind of a, a hot button issue for them, right? If you, uh, I don't know who out there is listening with so much time in their hands, but there's an interesting <laughs> one of those four view books that I read read through not too long ago uh, was four views on homosexuality in the church, and um, there are there two of the two of the um, proposed theories on this represent more of a progressive side of um, creation. Um, and uh, one of the thoughts is, and this falls apart so fast, I'm surprised they even published it. But one of the thoughts is that, you know, God didn't just create male and female. God created uh, like, like frogs yeah, uh, who are like, some of them can be asexual and some of them can be amphibians that change and mm -hmm. morph and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so, They've they've discussed they've they've tried to say if if the created world represents anything similar to God's created world or to to us as humans then there's got to be the spectrum of sexuality that can be represented. Mm. That's what this book is. Th this book is promoting. just one of the uh, Megan uh, Forsman I think is her name is the is the theologian um, is trying to argue for this space between male and female. Huh. And one of the things that that really breaks down is that you don't see that space represented at all throughout the canon of scripture. Right. Mm -hmm. You always see um, you always see male, female, and then it's you know we kind of got to understand the the culture of the day with very patriarchal society. We could acknowledge that and still work within that in our own mm -hmm. non-patriarchal society. But you can't deny the fact that. God seems to have wanted his creation to be able to reproduce and to be able to um, complement one another. Mm -hmm. In his image yeah. was the words that we latched on to from the 1960s until now, mm -hmm. because the image, uh, really from the 1850s when slavery was being overturned, yep. the image of God was the theology that, that helped us give dignity to human life. It's interesting now that we've shifted that from the image of God, the Imago Dei, to the, gender, to the yeah. male and female yeah. of it. Which are not distinct. They they and they stem. I think they stem from each other. You even look at Genesis one twenty seven, where this catechism pulls this answer from. Um, there's the it is two parts where God created it in the own, in His own image, in the image of God He created Him, and then 
from the image of God, it specifies male and female. He created him, which I think is so interesting because God is created. God is neither male nor female, right? right. God is spirit. God right. is spirit. But out of his own image, there, there are these distinctions, right? You have a male distinction and you have a female distinction, but that is, uh, that is sourced in the Imago Dei. And so they're yeah. not distinct. I think the Imago Dei is the principal foundation on which a lot of this is. Yeah, absolutely. This discussion is founded. But we've shifted to the more maybe granular part of it. Like Yeah. And part of, I think, why I even brought that up in the first place was to say, one of the things we can do is try and take our society today and justify it by tweaking our theology. Mm. And we want something to be true. So we go and try and find loopholes in the text it's a really dangerous game to play because you can you can try and justify a million things from the Bible, but we have to be able to take the whole thing in view, yeah. looking at the end as well as the beginning, mm-hmm. so we can situate or situate ourselves properly where we where we fall. And this is you know that's all how how did God create us? And uh, the second part of this question is why why were we created? Okay, we were created in the image of God. We were created male and female, but why? What's mm-hmm. the purpose of created life? Yeah, well, I wanna... think uh, I think some, not some. Uh, Isaiah forty uh, puts it pretty plainly. It's for His glory. Yeah, I mean, we're we're put on this earth to to um, honor and to glorify uh, God the Father. Mm. Um, and I mean, you got Isaiah forty, what forty three twenty one. Uh, the people whom I formed for myself, so God made us for His own uh, delight, uh, that they might declare my praise. So I think, I mean, as uh, easily put. Uh, we are put on this earth to glorify God through worship. Yeah. What do you think that means? If we can just simply maybe just do one one example of this. But what do you guys think this means then for the person who's struggling with their purpose in life? Mm-hmm. You know, they they maybe um, are in the middle of COVID and lost their job. And maybe they're in an industry that does not translate easily to a digital format. Um, or or they're just struggling with their existence. Um, you know, the the person who... Uh, is in a very stressful job and it's wearing on them. Um, what does it mean that God created us in his image for his glory? Mm-hmm. How does that help us? I think one thing is that no matter your context, no matter your situation, you have been created with everything that you need to achieve your created purpose. Mm. In any context, God has given you his image and you have the opportunity and the ability to glorify him, no matter the context, no matter a lost job, no matter, uh, you know, kids at home now, whatever the case is, we have, we, we walk around with the innate ability to glorify right. God. Yeah, that's a great word. I think that's a great place to put a period on this conversation too. I think you just encouraged us that no matter what you're walking in to follow yeah. God. And that's the point of this is to, Help us follow Christ deeper and take that next step with him. So I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, Next week, we've got uh, another uh, hack at question number five uh, that we'll be talking about. But guys, thanks for the the dialogue. Hey, stay tuned in just a moment for a a fascinating interview uh, from one of our own uh, HP members. Uh, Until next time, you're listening to the Following Faith Podcast. Well, welcome to the show. Someone who's no stranger to the HP uh, community. He's been around along with his beautiful wife uh, for a couple of years now. Welcome to the show, uh, Brandon Knight. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you, Brandon. You know, the best thing about Brandon, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Best thing about Brandon Knight is that he and Claire serve in Verge. Oh, is the best thing. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome how long have you guys been? that's the best thing he's looking at you like yeah, yeah. i know he's like wait, 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 wait. <laughs> a lot more how, to be how long have you guys served in verge oh uh Cla- claire's been in verge for a while now she's like a couple OG. years she, yeah, she, yeah. She, she's it was like, uh original cast yeah because <laughs> andy way. andy skibby was in charge that's how she even got started over there i've been doing it for like two years 
Yeah. Yeah. This is like not the time or place to tell this story, but I remember when I first started at the <laughs> campus, we were just going to bust people over to Crown Point because we didn't have the resources. And you call me and Andy, I call me Andrew, uh, was like, uh, I'll do it for free. I'll lead this group. And, uh, he, he like got it, twisted his sister's arm and got a couple friends and before nice. there was like a dozen or so students and it just has verge has grown since that moment in ways where i look at it from like an organizational standpoint and it doesn't make sense and yeah. even to today like scott you were just telling me that verge high school has grown over the summer yeah I awesome which, which does not make any sense but it's, it's awesome yeah. Well, there is one, I mean, so Brandon, you serve even more than just as a crew leader. We, um, last year, the whole year, month in, month out, every new series, we would sit down over a bagel at Panera, oh, yeah. our own bagels, we'd have our own bagels, yeah, but we would, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would uh, uh, write out curriculum and like plan mm. out and map the series. And then Brandon, you would teach once a month. Yeah. Have you enjoyed that? Yeah, it's been fun being your closer. You've kind of been like the starting pick pitcher. You get everyone going, and then I come in and close out the series. I've been enjoying that. Yeah, that's a wonderful analogy. I mean, I totally know. Like you're you're the Mariana Rivera of Ver uh, you know what I mean? Go. Like the 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 dude who locks it down. That's, that's right. right. Would you this rather be the opener? I don't know. In preaching, I mean, all three of us preach, uh, so maybe right. just uh, us being nerds ourselves. But I don't know. I think I'd like to be the closer. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I mean, the opener has to be on. You know, you, we all have right. sermons that started slow and you tuned out. But you ever listen to a sermon that didn't end? It's like yeah. that is true. The close is nice because a lot of times in Verge at the end of the series we're wrapping up and it's it's uh, sometimes it's very application heavy, which I appreciate and yeah. the students really tune into. And Brandon, I think you do that really well. You're really relatable. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was funny because the st the students actually got conditioned. Where every time Brandon yeah. would get up there, they'd be like, oh, the series ending. <laughs> We're done here. All right. That's it. Come back next week for something new. Yeah, yeah. Right. And well, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon I, you – go ahead, Scott. Well, I was just, I was just going to say, you know, Brandon, you are – you preach often. I think you, pre you yeah. preach more than I do right now in this COVID world. Because not only were you helping on Verge last year, but you also fill pulpit in the area, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've been doing that for – I think it's like been six years now. Been going to churches in Northwest Indiana, whether they pastors on vacation or sabbatical. But normally, it's for churches that don't have a pastor. They're going through like a search time right now. Yeah, yeah. I and I know you know we've talked about that a lot with Phil and Pulpit. It's a, it's a unique gig, and you see a lot of stuff. Um, I think as I've gotten to know you as a friend and and as a, a you know a fellow laborer to these students. Um, you have a really cool story um, with ministry and you didn't necessarily end up in the place that you thought you were going to end up. And not that your, your story is over, right? We're always being written, right. but maybe, maybe for, for the listeners, could you just walk us through, um, you know, college age, Brandon, <laughs> or maybe late high school, Brandon. And well, um, let's not go back. Let's not go to late okay. high school, Brandon. Okay, we'll I don't know if we want to talk about that guy, but uh <laughs> Because college, Brandon, was, like, so dream-oriented. I had so many dreams. Like, guys, I was going to get my yeah. PhD. Like, that was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Brandon. Wanted to go into the ministry. Wanted to be a uh, pastor. Felt very heavily called to do that. Turns out Bible degrees also get you retail jobs, because that's <laughs> what I'm doing now. But uh, it has taken – I've been out of college five years now, which is crazy to me to think. But I've been out of college five years now, and uh, it definitely hasn't turned out the way that I expected. It's definitely a lesson of, you know, God saying, that's cute. I'm glad you have your plans, but I'm going to take you down this road here. Mm -hmm. And I do not regret the road that God has taken me down. It's yeah. brought me to Claire. It's brought me to HP. Mm -hmm. And it's given me this pulpit supply ministry and really even my job at Gordon's as well. well th this is great, man. And this is absolutely what I think people need to hear um, because there's a lot of people right now in the midst of COVID, in the midst of plans not working out. Um, so can you just share with us a little bit, what were your plans in college? Um, sure. And what were next steps for you after? And maybe we can, we can start there and see where we go. Sure. So I was kind of the, uh, I mean, Scott and 
Dan, I guess you guys would kind of get this. I was that standard Bible Bible degree guy of get my Bible degree, get my internship, apply to three or four churches. They're all going to be super interested in me, start seminary, work my way into, Scott, I don't know what you what your job title is, but whatever yeah, Scott yeah. does here at HP and eventually end up as a senior pastor somewhere. And I, I got the Bible degree, got the internship, started seminary at Moody. But what I ended up running into was, um, I don't know, I've had this really hard time of finding a, finding that church. You know, I was sending out application after application even cold calling. That's actually how I met Dan. I just sent a application we, we had, to H2. Dude, we had the greatest nachos together. Uh, yeah, we did. La Caretta together. I was fresh into the area. I remember that was the first time. You weren't even coming to the church. And I no. Remember, uh, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Were you married to Claire at that point? or We met the very next month. Oh, no way. Yeah, I want to say like you had a couple friends that attended Bethel, but Claire wasn't one of them. No, no. I. Yeah. Yeah, I we hadn't even met. I wasn't even on. Okay, for those of you who didn't, don't know, we met on Christian Mingle. We I wasn't even on there yet. Um, but so yeah, no, I uh, lost my train of thought. We're we, about to turn this into a question about online dating for Christians. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. yeah. <laughs> That's trail. really what the listeners right, want to hear. Right, it's it is like the most interesting thing to people because they yeah. just remember those cheesy commercials. But yeah, yeah it did work. Do you um, know that, that like I gotta say maybe a half like a third to half of the weddings that I do lately have been people who've met online just wow. to throw that out there for people if they still okay. like a weird thing yeah <laughs> well yeah so Brandon here you are in in northwest Indiana you're cold calling churches you still got this idea that you want to work in ministry correct mm-hmm. yes it, but it's not panning out for you what what was going through your mind at this point the first three years out of college, I was so discouraged. Mm. Uh, I have applied to roughly 200 churches and ministries. I've gotten less than 10 job interviews and I've gotten one job offer. And unfortunately it just didn't quite fit where I was at in life at the time. So I had to turn it down. So it was just so discouraging. Mm. I could not, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure it out because most of the replies back were just the automated, thank you for applying emails. And so I didn't know, did I go to the wrong college? Do I not have enough experience? It seemed like everything was against me and I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. But through it all, God opened a very unique door to me with this pulpit supply ministry that I started getting into. Yeah. And so you, you've been running around the area uh, into a bunch of different churches, yeah. right? All different yes. you know, types of churches, all different levels of health for these these churches and you've been preaching correct yes yeah i've been to southern baptist baptist reformed um i've i've appealed to catholics before because i don't know why they i was preaching at a church and this one woman came up to me and she was like i just come because i do to listen i'm catholic that was really good (laughs) cool thanks interesting (laughs) (laughs) what kind of church was it uh, they were Baptist. Southern. They were Southern Baptist. Hey, you just got to get them in the pews, right? It's not your typical right. transition from Catholicism to Southern Baptist, but hey, right? We'll do yeah. it. Whatever. Yeah. So the dream, the dream was to to preach and 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 do that as a mm-hmm. as a senior pastor. And um, do you guys? You know, we're all. I'm going to lump myself in a younger age category than I actually am, but let's just call me in my twenties. You know, we're, we're, we're young. I once heard Joe Stoll say this. He said, when you're young, you have all these dreams and these ambitions. You're, you're, you wake up in the morning, you say, let's take the world for Jesus. Let's go get it. He said, you know, the, the beauty of wisdom and age is that you grow older and you see the world and that useful energy changes into a bit of more maturity and he said, at some point it changes to, oh, Jesus, come take the world. Mm. Um, do you guys feel like you're mm. at that point in, in your, I know, Brandon, we're talking about sort of like missed expectations or, or different experiences than what you mm-hmm. initially realized. But um, I do wonder, you know, hearing you say, man, I, I was just full of zeal for this one thing, like I'm going to change the world. 
And then you go and you yeah. do it for a little while and you realize like, I got nothing to do that. Jesus, you're the only, <laughs> you're the only hope that we have. Yeah. And so maybe yeah. even in the story of, 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 you know, kind of this trajectory of, of your story, um, how have you seen even the rerouting that's happened be something that yeah. uh, draws your heart closer to the Lord and trust in him more? Yeah. You know, with the, with time, with the preaching, I've started seeing just like how much there's so many unhealthy churches, so many dying churches. And just like, I can't, you know, I can't in my own ability revitalize you in one sermon. Like the Holy spirit needs to be present and working in these churches to grow them up. But in my own, you know, on this trajectory of becoming a senior pastor, totally getting redirected by the Lord, it's been a very humbling experience. Mm. And again, like, I don't regret that at all. It was hard. These first, those first couple of years out of college, I, like I said, I was very discouraged, but it's one of those, like, it had to hurt, mm-hmm. you know, for me to kind of get into the frame of mind that I am in now of just because I'm in a, and I'm going to air quote, but I know you're listening so that you, that doesn't work. So, <laughs> that, like you it. know, a secular industry, you know, I'm working in a secular world industry rather than in church ministry, like it doesn't matter. Like my testimony and how I conduct myself at work is just as much ministry related. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That's a, that's a wonderful um, setup because you're, you said it already, you get a Bible degree, you get you a a retail job and that's that's what you're doing to pay the bills right now. But I Mm -hmm. love your perspective here, even of saying, um, you know, my life is the ministry, not necessarily what I do for, uh, you know, a paycheck. And so you're working right now in a, in a retail industry, but tell, tell our listeners kind of what you do, where you work. And I'd love to ask you a couple of questions just uh, in light of that. Sure. So uh, my technical job title is I am the produce merchandiser at Gordon Foods on, uh, in Maryville on Route 30. What that means is that I order produce and build displays and keep up with the freshness. And then beyond that, I take care of the cooler department in general. So basically anything that you keep in your refrigerator, milk, eggs, cheese, I stock the shelves for all of that. And then general maintenance type of things, dealing with customers, taking phone calls, doing curbside pickups, because that's a thing now because of COVID. So that's just <laughs> yeah, a taste I'm, of what I do all week. <laughs> I I, um, I can't imagine the change in yes. retail, grocery store, uh, particularly like GFS caters in my mind, it caters to restaurants, right? Like you guys yes. have a high demand of your, um, clientele is, uh, chefs and restaurant owners. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're primarily restaurants, hotels, and then every food truck in Northwest Indiana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which who knew that, you know, owning a food truck was going to be like job security for restaurants these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you sell, you, you hooked up, I believe, uh, some stuff for Bethel, uh, too. So we're one of your clients as well. Yes. Um, but, but back in February, your job was very much just like set up the oranges, make sure like things are good, have a mm-hmm. good relationship with the, the restaurant owners. Um, and then walk us what, through what happened those first couple of days or weeks, uh, in March, April, with with how the grocery store industry um, really had to change. Sure. So just for a bit of perspective, March is a historically slow month for us at Gordon's. Outside of the little blip for St. Patrick's Day, and maybe if Easter is like at the end of the month or right at the beginning of April, it's a very slow month. So we're very small staff. We have a very small staff for for the month. Then all of a sudden, there was this thing called panic buying because COVID showed up. So again, just for perspective, I I heard a little bit about the numbers for for that initial week when the panic buying initially started, whatever that was, like mid-March or so. We did two to three times our projected sales for that week, which means it took us from a normal, lazy March day to what we do the week of Christmas, which is one of our three biggest holidays of the year. (laughs) That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. We broke a, we broke a store record 
on <laughs> that initial day for sales. So what is was- the staff feeling in the midst of hearing like, everybody's coming in, they're buying things out. Like, did that make it in some sense for you more comical on the COVID side? I don't want to like call this like, 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 like call you a a COVID denier or anything like that. But I just am Mm -hmm. curious if, if you saw consumer behavior and realized like, man, people are freaked out or did it really sober up the staff? What was it like for you to watch that? It was, yes. The answer is yes. (laughs) Initially, because initially what, yeah, all the above. Initially, it was very much that calm down. It's just a bad cold. You'll be fine. Settle down. And then it was when what was the sobering moment was it was the weekend right before this for St. Patrick's Day and Chicago made the call to shut down the restaurants. It was either the Monday or Tuesday right after that we got a call from one of our regulars and he said, hey, I just got an email. I wanted to let you guys know. Indiana's about ready to make the same call. And it was at that moment that I was like, this is real. Panic. This is legitimate. Yes. And everything shifted for yeah. us. We were already pretty overwhelmed, obviously. But it meant, mental-wise, mentality-wise, that was when it was, okay, time to put it into full gear now. Yeah. Did different members of your staff uh, react differently that week? Or was everybody kind of on the same page as a staff? Um, pretty much everybody was on the same page. Once we hit that mark of, okay, this is for real, everyone was not ready to work, but understood the, yeah how serious this time was going to be now. Yeah. Uh, do you still have a lot of the same staff or employees or have there been burnout over the last couple of months at, at your store? Like I can imagine just yeah. a couple of people like getting through March and being like, never, ever again, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny you should say that because since I would say maybe mid-July, slowly a lot, of, a lot of the store managers, a lot of the other full-time associates at the store have started going on vacation now. Oh, they're not going sure. anywhere, but yeah. they're taking, they finally, taking we the finally time. have hit up, yeah. After July 4th, it has really died down, honestly, at work. So it's been a good time for a lot of the people who have been working since March to take some time off to rest. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking, thinking ahead to the school year. Do you, um, I don't know, what's your store planning or projecting or thinking maybe come a second wave or a second shutdown? Has there been talks about that uh, at your store? Uh, there hasn't been, there hasn't really been anything yet, any mm-hmm. talks of that yet. Um, we really, I don't know, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but we've really just been like rolling with the punches. Yeah, you know? absolutely. As things Who have hasn't? come up. Yeah, really. I mean, that's how everyone has been this year. Just kind of like figuring it out as we go. Yeah. So I don't think there's really been any talks for that yet, but you know, we've done it once now. That yes. was part of the issue in March was like, we don't know what we're doing. At least now we've done it once. Yes. We can at least get into that frame quicker. We have pandemic experience, right? Like pandemic you can put experience. it on your resume now as a store. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nothing you ever, ever wanted originally to have on your resume, but you got it now, whether you want it or not. <laughs> right. There we go. Well, you know, I, um, we, we ask a lot of people, because most of the people we interview do work in um, a secular job, as you said, air quotes. Um, yeah. but you have some experience as a Bible degree, you fill pulpit. And I think we, you and I think a lot the same about our role as kingdom builders, as missionally living, um, in our jobs and in our day-to-day life. Can you maybe explain to us or walk us through a little bit? How do you try to work out your faith, uh, as someone who is living a different path than you originally thought? Um, and who's someone who's working in, in the secular industry. What's that look like for you? Um, you know, sometimes it's the simplest things. Hmm. Like, I'm not trying to sound like overly simple Christian, but like just the sheer fact that I try not to cuss. Oh, yeah. Know? Like, I'm not perfect at it, I'll be honest, but just the sheer fact that I try to do that or I try to... I'm really boiling down Christianity to very simple teachings here, but like just living a bit more morally, you know, mm-hmm. when Claire and I were dating, like if things came up, 
I would, you know, steer it away of like, well, no, actually we're waiting till marriage or yeah. you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And just being outspoken, not like, you know, Hey, beating them over the head to, yeah. with the Bible, but just, Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I went and preached, you know, and yeah. then a conversation starts. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think a lot of times we, we tend to overcomplicate what it means to live as a Christian in a secular space. Um, and at the very least, we are called to be separate people, right? We are set apart. Yeah. We are a royal priesthood as followers of Jesus. At the very least, we are called to look different than our coworkers, right? Right. And I think, you know, you get that. You look around at the, at the employees that they have at GFS, like, I should be looking different than these guys, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I think, um, and I think, you know, the second part of that is being gracious. You, you talked about being maybe mm-hmm. gracious or not, you know, beating over the head with, with Christianity. Um, yeah. What do you think that maybe looks like for people? What can we work on or what can we take into our workday uh, tomorrow? as someone who really does try to be gracious, but also speak, speak truth that I'm not ashamed. I'm a follower of Christ. What what do you think that looks like maybe for you and for other people? I would say that a lot of the conversations that I have at work that end up turning to some type of conversation, they never have turned to debates, but conversation about life, spirituality, I guess you could say um, all that really come really just kind of naturally flows from me listening. Mm. Something comes up, someone wants to talk about it, and I get to hear what they have to say, what they believe, and just me offering my faith yeah. for an answer, you know? Mm. And I've been, at, I've been at Gordon's for five years now, and I, I would say that during these past five years, I've really been able to build relationships that way. We think about living missionally, living uh, the christian term is life on life discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of experiencing life with the people who are there and just over time building this open communication of being able to express my faith to people and them to receive it. And, you know, they're now accountable for yeah. what they do with this information, you know? Yeah. I think that's so good, Brandon. I'm glad that you brought up the length of time that you've spent with a lot of these people, because I think some of, some of us feel guilty and feel a burden to um, evangelize immediately everybody in our workspace. And um, while I think that is a burden that we should feel to some extent, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, correct? Right. Oftentimes it's a marathon and not a sprint. Some people do need to hear that Hey, Jesus is coming back and you need to get yourself right. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of times people do respond to the, the conversations where there's a listening ear. And I love mm. that you brought up the idea of a listening ear because so many people don't have that. I really do. I really do think. Um, yeah. Have you seen, um, have you seen, have you had any, maybe ex- tell us one person or maybe one kind of conversation that you have or one person that you're mm-hmm. um, without names, obviously but uh, that you're working with at at GFS? Um, I've had one person in particular who has been there longer than I have. So my entire tenure there at the store, I've known this person. And yeah, we've gone from just like coworkers to really just like friends even. Even though he is an atheist, doesn't really believe in anything beyond this point, but we have built this relationship where, you know, over time he has, you know, started watching some of my sermons that I post on Facebook or he started reading the Bible, like occasionally on his own, just kind of casually wanting to know what it actually has to say. So I'm hoping I'm praying for him that, you know, over time, maybe God would, hopefully change his mind and that he would come yeah. to know Christ as savior. But right now my focus is just continuing to show love to him, speak truth to him. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And that's what we are all called to do as, as followers of Christ. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your uh, testimony 
and uh, for what you're doing at, at Gordon Food Services and yeah. Phil and Pulpit. But uh, listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with them, uh, with us. It, this has been the Following Face podcast. We'll see you next time.